most of us in this room at some point in time has had something that has taken place in your life that you knew without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to tell somebody, they'd sort of look at you and go, you got to be kidding me. You ever had that happen? I, listen, I know you, and I know that all of us in this room at some time in, in probably in our lives, there's something that's happened to us, some story, some event, some, some happening, probably it could be something inside of the family that you were going, if I were to tell this story, nobody would ever believe me. It could be something that you happen to witness and, and something that you saw and you go, man, listen, if I were to tell this story, people would really think I've lost my mind. See, I'd love to be able to give you guys an opportunity to tell some of these stories because I bet you there's probably some pretty good stories in this room. I've got my own stories. Like the time that I went to school and told the story about the four-legged chicken. Now, see, you're thinking I'm crazy. But I had a four-legged chicken growing up. He died because he got ran over because he couldn't run fast enough. <laughs> but I had a four-legged chicken. But when I told my friends at school that I had a four-legged chicken when I was in elementary school, they laughed at me and thought I was crazy. I think we've all got a time or a story or something that's happened that when we, if we were to sit down and tell that story, people would look at us and go, you know, you just have to be kidding me. Can you imagine what it was like for those that were there, that were a part of that time, that it witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine what it would have been like to have penned the word some 40, 50 years later about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, knowing exactly that there would be people just like you that would go, you got to be kidding me. That really happened? And this is what we know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that as they pin those words, even though some of the details may be a little bit different, this is what we know. They all came to the same conclusion, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Some saw it. Some were witness to eyewitnesses who personally saw it, and they authenticated those accounts. I mean, let's, let's look at Matthew just for a second. I mean, Matthew, here he was. He was a tax collector by trade. It was Matthew that was a Judean, but left that Judean, um, that Judean side to, to go over and side with the Romans out of monetary purposes. But it was Matthew who would give his life to Jesus, who would witness the crucifixion, who would witness the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, and who would eventually give his life because he knew that what he saw and what he experienced was true. But then again, there's Mark. Mark didn't see it. Mark heard about it. We know that he was great friends with Peter who, had, who was there at that time. We know that Mark penned the words. And we also know that Mark believed enough about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he was willing to give the rest of his life touring around the world, talking to others about Jesus with Paul. That's a big deal. And then Luke, the physician, a dead man come back to life and listen I'm a physician those things don't happen and yet Luke would sit down and even though he didn't see it he would authenticate the eyewitnesses page by page by event by event by detail by detail and Luke himself would give his life telling others about the resurrection of Jesus and then John the beloved 
The one who wouldn't die for his faith in Christ, but eventually would be exiled. And John saw it. John was there. He was a part of that, and he knew it. And it was there on that island of Patmos where he was exiled that he would write the book of Revelation. James, the brother of Jesus, I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, think about that. The brother of Jesus himself, and you don't find very much, if, if anything at all, about James before the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But after the resurrection, you would see James all of a sudden move to the forefront because he believed that his brother was who he said he was, that he was Messiah, and that he had been resurrected from the dead. And then there was Peter. Peter, Peter's the guy that said, Lord, I'll I'll never deny you. He was the guy that came out of the the fishing industry to follow and to walk with Jesus. And there that night, he told Jesus, listen, I'll never deny you. But that night, you know exactly, for those of you that grown up in church, it was three times that he denied Christ. Three times that they said, listen, aren't you with the one they call Jesus? And eventually he cursed at them and and he left. But history tells us that Peter believed so much about the crucifixion that he would eventually lose his life. Some say being even crucified upside down. And then there was Paul. There was Paul, the man that persecuted believers. He was the man that that did everything that he could to make their lives miserable. And yet Paul's life would be radically changed by by an encounter with the risen Savior, Jesus and it would be Paul that would write for us some two-thirds of the New Testament as we, as we find it and as we have it today. And it would be Paul that would give his life traveling around and talking about the resurrection of Jesus because he believed it. And as far as I know, this is what I know, as far as what the Scriptures have to say, that fortunately those accounts of those men were written down and they were put together in what we know as the New Testament. Eventually they were combined with what we know as the Old Testament. It's in the scriptures that we find. Some people say that we believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead just because of what the Bible has to say. But let me tell you, it's a lot bigger than that. Because the accounts of the scripture were written by men and women just like you and I. You and I that not only believed, but they had saw with their own eyes. And they were experienced, they experienced that, you got to be kidding me, event in life. Listen, what I want to do really quickly today is I'd love to be able to go back and run through some, just some, some, some of the story, the narrative of the, of the Easter story, and sort of bring you up to date, because I thought that would be good. And then we'll end up with what Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians as he had written but let me take you back to the first century because the story begins in the region of the world called Judea or Israel. And it was there in that place that the people were very depressed, that the people were very despondent because they had been waiting for a Messiah because of the control of Rome and because of the oppression that they had placed upon their shoulders. And it had been some 400 years since the Jewish people, the people of God, had heard God's voice. And so you can imagine the temperature. You can imagine what was going on in their minds and hearts is here they were looking for the Messiah, yet he still had not shown up. And then there was a guy by the name of John the Baptist that showed up on the scene. This wild, hairy guy that that dressed up, that smelt. He was nasty. Man, his diet was something like somebody that grew up in Oxford. He ate locusts and honey. Watch out. Getting a little personal. 
But the guy had an attitude because he had a message. And some of the people thought that he was the Messiah as he would cry out to them, repent, because God's getting ready to do something special and I don't want you to miss it. And they said one to him one time, he was asked, are you the Messiah? And he said, no. He said, I'm not even worthy to, to bear the sandals of the one who is coming, but I was sent to prepare the way so you better get right and get ready. And it was not long after that that Jesus himself would show up and the crowds begin to gather because they love to sit down and hear Jesus teach because he taught in a way that they could understand and he taught by stories and by, by parables and he spoke the word of God. And he used those things to teach them about God's word and, and he healed the sick and he helped the lame to walk and he fed the hungry. And there were some guys that he invited to walk alongside of him, some guys called the disciples. And Jesus' popularity began to grow, and it grew, grew very fast. As a matter of fact, it, it began to make um, the religious leaders and, and the politicians of that time very, very, um, very uneasy. But as Jesus taught and as he preached, the crowds continued to grow and, and grow. But then there was that rumor that surfaced. That rumor, that rumor that there was a man by the name of Lazarus, a well-known man, that had died. And Jesus showed up on the scene they said there was no hope, but Jesus didn't show up because there wasn't no hope, but he showed up because there was something that he was about to do that would take the breath away of those that watched and those that were there. And there that day he asked for the stone to be removed, and you can imagine the chaos that was created when Lazarus came out of that tomb that day. <laughs> I mean, Martha's response to Jesus coming was like something like this. Why in the world are you showing up now? He stinks. I mean, it wasn't like Lazarus had been dead for a couple of hours, and it wasn't like that he had been dead for maybe a day or so, but Lazarus had been dead for several days. And yet Jesus did the impossible, raising him from the grave. And the religious leaders got so much enthralled and so much stirred up that they came together with one common goal, and that one common goal was what? To get rid of Jesus. Because all they wanted to do was to make sure that their authority stayed in place and they kept the Roman leadership happy. This is what John said as he recorded the, the, uh, the sort of the, um, the emotions of what was happening there in John chapter 11, verse 48. This is what it said. It said, if we, talking about the Jewish leaders, allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him, to which we would say, well, that's really good. I mean, to that's really good, to which what they were saying was, that's really, really bad. That's not what we want. And he said, then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. So all of a sudden, we see the join together of politics and religion with the intent of undermining Jesus and the ability to be able to destroy him. Because they knew that Jesus was gaining popularity. And they knew that if they continued to allow Jesus to, to move and to, and to continue to do what he was doing, that eventually his leadership would undermine not only the Roman authority, but would undermine their authority as Jewish leaders. And then John goes on to write in John chapter 11, verse 53. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders begin to plot Jesus' death. And the story gets really, really interesting. And we have the recordings 
the writings of these men who wrote some 40, 30, 40 years afterwards. And you would think, you would think that maybe they would have written just a little bit from a different perspective. I mean, if the resurrection didn't take place, then what they were writing, basically the only thing they were trying to do was keep the story moving. You would have thought that if those guys had written the story and if it wasn't true, that maybe they would have painted just a little bit different of a picture than they painted of themselves. I mean, if I were going to sit down and write a story about myself, if I want to tell you, man, I don't want to tell you all the bad things. I want to tell you the good things. I wouldn't want to tell you the fact that here I was insecure. I wouldn't want to talk about that. I wouldn't want to talk about the fact that I was scared and I wouldn't want to talk about the fact that I was confused. But this is what we know about the details of those guys that wrote down the account of what took place. That that was the picture that they painted of themselves. It says that they were, when Jesus was arrested and talked about his closest friends, they didn't stay by his side, but they were nowhere to be found. I mean, is that something that you'd want to include in the story about you? I don't think so. But they recorded the events exactly as they had taken place. And he goes on to talk about this one guy that one night he was, he was accused of being a follower of Jesus. And before he could even respond, somebody grabbed at him. And you may know the story. It said that he was so afraid that he left his cloak standing right there and ran away naked. Is that right? Naked? 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 He didn't have any clothes on. And then there was a story of Peter who was a leader in the early church. And we know that when he was approached about being a follower of Christ, that he denied even knowing him. And after Jesus was crucified, none of the guys would stick around for the funeral. None of them, because they were so afraid. Because the death of Jesus, listen, the death of Jesus meant that they had lost and Rome had won. And then there's the burial of Jesus. See, it was very unusual for a person crucified to be buried. You know what they used to do with the bodies of those that were crucified? They would leave them hanging on the cross for the birds of the air and the animals to eat the flesh. And several days later, when the body was rotting, they would take that corpse down. They would have a slave go and take that corpse down, and they would take it outside the city to the dump, to the place of refuse, and that's where they would leave that body. But that's not what happened to Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was taken by a rich man by the name of Joseph. And also a man by the name of Nicodemus. Secret followers of Christ. That all of a sudden, in the midst of their time, became bold enough to go to Pilate and to pay for his body to be taken down. And then they would take his body, they would take it to the tomb, Joseph's tomb. And they would wrap it in white linens and they would place spices upon it. And they would put him there in the grave and bury him. And the whole time all of this is going on, still, where are the disciples of Jesus? Where were they? And in the meantime, we've got, a un, we've got an undercover follower of Christ, an undercover guy. We've got a, a Pharisee that's a secret follower of Jesus overseeing the burial and the funeral of Christ himself. I mean, think about that. And it's sad that the, what's really truthful, it seems as the enemies of Jesus 
The enemies of Jesus had more confidence in the movement, in the Jesus movement, in the story of Christ than those who were professed believers before the crucifixion. It's pretty sad. To give you an example, here are the religious leaders and the chief priests that, who have not really gotten along all, at all, never really gotten at all, and normally didn't get along, going to Pilate and saying, listen, man, we appreciate what you've done to allow Jesus' body to be taken, uh, especially to be sensitive to us as, as, uh, as Jews during the Passover, um, but man, we got a problem. We've really got a problem. You see, the two guys, Joseph and Nicodemus, the guys that you allowed to take the body of Jesus, well, they didn't take him down to the city dump and dispose of him like they were supposed to, but they buried the body, and we can't see it. So listen, will you do us a favor? Would you, would you please send a couple of guards to watch over the tomb of the dead man? And in Matthew chapter 27, this is how he records the conversation. 27 verse 64, so we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone that he was raised from the dead because if this happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. And Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So this is, has to be such a, an interesting conversation because why in the world would guys who had fled now come back and attempt to steal the body of a dead man? I mean, why in the world would that ever take place? I mean, I know there's an awful lot at stake, but if they weren't willing to die for Jesus when he was alive, why in the world would they be willing to die for him now that he was dead? Why would they risk their lives when Jesus was dead and in a tomb? It just doesn't make an awful lot of sense, does it? I mean, to think about this, why die for a dead man whose death disproved everything he asked you to believe in while he was alive? It just doesn't make sense. And it's hard for us to be able to wrap our emotions around what was taking place and the intimidation factor that was present at that time. It's so difficult. But we have to remember that these guys heard and experienced the crucifixion of Jesus. And they knew exactly what had taken place. And the punishment that Jesus had received was something that they themselves could receive. And if Jesus didn't save himself, why in the world did they ever believe or have faith that Jesus would save them? Why would they risk their lives to perpetuate a lie? It just doesn't make sense. And we have to remember that at the center of of Jesus' message was the fact that he was the life, the death, and he was the life, and he was the resurrection. We have to remember that, and we have to remember that at the center of his message that he was the Son of God, that, that he was the Messiah that had come to set them free, but now all of a sudden he is dead, and yet his death undermined his entire message that he had preached up until this point. That's hard to grasp. Why would they risk their lives... When the same ones who killed Jesus also had the ability to kill them. I mean, consider the emotions. The religious leaders sitting on the edge of their seat. What in the world is going to happen next? The disciples huddled in fear. What are we going to do, guys? 
What are we going to do? They're scared to death. And then the Roman soldiers who were standing at the tomb trying to think to themselves, why in the world did they assign us to stand guard over a dead man's tomb? It just didn't make an awful lot of sense. But what you did not have at any point in time was this. No one was anticipating or expecting the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, there was no one that was expecting Jesus to come out of that grave. No one was sitting on the edge of their seat, counting down the days, waiting for Jesus to come out of the tomb. But here we are 2,000 years later. 2,000 years later, just like multitudes of others that are around the world today celebrating Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Celebrating the fact that he is not in the tomb any longer. Celebrating that Easter is not just a myth, but what was said and what was written down in those accounts of those guys that seemed so far off the wall, it was true. And there are multitudes of people that are all around the world today that are willing to share the truth of the fact that they have placed their faith in Jesus and their life is different because of their faith in Christ and a resurrected Savior. See, I know there's some of, in, some of you in here that if I were to ask you to stand, man, I could start calling out some names. And there's people that would say, man, listen, let me tell you my story of my faith and what my faith in Christ and a resurrected Savior has done for me in my life, how my life has been radically changed. I could start calling out some names and there are people, multitudes of you that would stand and say, I believe. And let me tell you what's happened in my life because of my faith in Christ. Not because he's in the tomb, but because he's been resurrected from the dead. And this is what I know that we celebrate Easter not because somebody stole the body. And we don't celebrate Easter because somebody died on a cross. Because multitudes of people had died on the cross. But we're gathered here today because of that morning when a group of ladies went to that tomb to prepare the body and embalm the body of Jesus. And when they went there, he was not there. Now, y'all have often wonder, you know, if, if Nicodemus and, and Joseph had prepared the body with spices, why in the world would the women showing up? Because they always know that men just don't do a good job, right? <laughs> but nobody, listen to me, nobody expected nobody. Nobody expected no body. Nobody expected nobody. And it was only a few days after that in that same area where they had gathered in and around Jerusalem where the crucifixion had taken place, where Jesus was arrested, and that night he was, was betrayed, and where he, where he walked down that area, where he walked down that, that, uh, that path to be crucified, in that same area where Jesus was resurrected from the dead, where those people who once had cowered in a, in a corner because they were afraid, because they were secret followers of Christ, or because they were followers of Christ, who said, why in the world, what have we done? Why have we left the jobs that we've left? And all of a sudden, those guys that were so afraid and so timid and so insecure and so confused and so afraid, that all of a sudden, they begin to get out into the streets and they begin to tell others about Christ and about the fact that He had been, he had been raised from the dead because it was true. And all of a sudden, the guys that weren't willing to risk anything, that were towering and cowering in the corner, all of a sudden, all, of a sudden, all that stuff went out the door. And they said, we believe, we believe, no longer are we afraid. Repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus. And the, and the scriptures tell us 
And the Bible tells us that thousands of people in the next few days would give their life to Jesus because of the testimony and because of the resurrection of Jesus. And they didn't trust Christ because of the miracles, and they didn't trust Christ because of what they taught, but they trusted Christ because he was raised from the dead. You got to be kidding me. Raised from the dead? He was raised from the dead. And that's the story, not just because the Bible tells us so, but but it was the eyewitness accounts of what took place, men and women just like you and I, that had a story that nobody else had seen, but they saw it. And you know what happened? Because they saw it, they were willing to die for it. Steve? D, because they experienced it, they were willing to die for it. Because of what they saw and experienced, you couldn't take from them that. And they were willing to give their life as a result for that. Those guys that stood in the corner that were afraid, that were timid, all of a sudden said, listen, I'll tell you the truth. I've seen it with my own eyes. That's a big deal. Paul, some 20-something years later, would, would record for us in writing as he wrote to the Corinthian believers and those that were Gentile and Jewish believers who lived in and around Corinth. And this is what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'll read it just as it's written. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, the good news, the gospel that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. In other words, man, listen, what I told you, I'm standing firm in it today. I want you to know that what I told you was true. It was real. It took place. And he said, it is the good news, this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message that I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. But I passed on to you what was most important, what also had been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins. And and think about this. This is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said, that he was buried. He was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said, and that he was seen. He was seen. This is that, you got to be kidding me moment. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at at one time. And listen, if you don't believe me, I'll take you back to Jerusalem so you have an opportunity to meet them and see them and hear their story firsthand because they are still alive. Most Most of whom are still alive, yet though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. And last of all, As though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I was the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. From a distance, it's easy to understand how the story of Easter can seem to have been fabricated and made up. But when you get up close and personal, and you begin to take a look at the evidences, The truth is, what the truth is in the eyewitness accounts, in the detailed accounts, what seemed to be impossible really wasn't that impossible, but it was real. It was real. And today, multitudes of people are around the world celebrating because it really happened. It really happened. Let me tell you a story. You may not believe me. 
I barely believe it myself. But I can't dispute what my soul knows. Peter! John! It's all true. Come see this! Everything he said. The tomb! Every impossible detail. It's empty! It's all true. Loses its footing. You have me confused. I don't know him. And we stumble along our way. I said I don't know him! forgiven what was once dead has new life what was once old has been made new what was once finite has been made eternal may we remember and follow in way. Would you bow your heads? This is what I know. I know that there are those of you that that are here and for whatever the reason you may not be a follower of Christ. And I am so thankful that you're here today. But in the midst of our time, this is one of the things that you'd be willing to say that I, I just, I'm not a believer and I'm really struggling, but I am really curious about this thing of Jesus and having a personal relationship. I don't understand it all, but, but there's a curiosity that's within my heart. You know, it's okay just to, just to say I'm curious 
it's okay to say I'm I don't understand it all but I'm 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 trying to figure some things out that's that's okay and so right there where you are just man just just identify just acknowledge the fact I'm curious no I'm not a follower of Jesus but I'm curious but then there's some others of you that are here today and for whatever the reason you may feel like a Peter that there's that you've walked away and you've denied Christ there was a time in your life when you followed Christ and you were you were committed to the Lord but for whatever the reason whatever the events in life that took place for some reason you walked away from the Lord but today you just sense that need to say I'm back I want to recommit my life to Jesus I'm back it's okay to go before the Lord right now and just tell him I'm back Lord Lord I'm back I'm here I'm back but then there are others of you that, that may be here that that are not a follower of Christ but today there's that tugging in your heart and up until today you've really struggled with some things but today for the first time you believe you believe and today you want to take that step you want to take that journey to say today I want to place my faith I believe in the gospel of what the good news that Paul preached about that Jesus Christ he died on a cross today I, I believe that and I and I, I believe that not only did he die on the cross but he was buried in a tomb but I also believe today that Jesus was resurrected from the grave and today I want to give my life to Jesus and right there where you are you have the ability to just say that Jesus I believe and I recognize that I'm a sinner I recognize that there's nothing that I can do to save myself no position no power no authority on this earth there's nothing that I can do to save myself but Jesus I recognize that my salvation is from you and you alone and today I want to acknowledge you I want to declare that you are my God I want to give my life I want to submit my life I want to humble myself before you and I want to receive you and I want to believe I want to be a follower of Jesus and if that's you man you have the ability right there where you are just to pray that to say I believe I believe and I want to pray over you and, and in just a second there's going to be a song that's going to be played and and we're going to sort of ask you to sort of sit right there where you are and just contemplate and think about the fact that Jesus his Lord he's not in the grave but he is risen he's risen and may we have the boldness that those who who witnessed the resurrection may we have that same boldness to go out and to proclaim his his risen he's risen to others around us and not be afraid and to not be timid or confused but may we be bold and so I want to pray over you can I do that father Lord in the midst of our time we've we've come to to understand that God we just don't say that we believe in the resurrection because of what the Bible has to say but the Bible is a written account of people of men and women just like us that had first-hand knowledge that they were witnesses those you got to be kidding me moments and they saw and what they saw and what they experienced and what they believed was enough to propel them to say even though even though it may cause me harm even though it may it may be a risk to my life I'm willing to stand 
I'm willing to stand. And because of their faithfulness, Lord, the gospel is, has been proclaimed for, for thousands of years, for 2,000 years since that time. And so, Lord, I just want to ask, Father, in the midst of, of our gathering here today, that if there are those that are curious, that they just be willing to say, I'm curious. If there's those that have said, that, man, I, I'm, I want to rededicate my life. I want to be on the other side of the fence. I'm tired of walking away from the Lord. I want to walk to him. I want to recommit my life. And if there are those that are saying, for the first time in my life, I want to follow Jesus, I believe, I pray that this morning that they would do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a card that's in the back of the pew. And, and while these guys are, are, are playing and singing, um, listen, if, if you've made one of those decisions, I'd love to know that. I mean, if you're curious, just write that on there. Just... There's a place that said, um, it says, I have questions I'd like to discuss. Man, if you're curious, I'd love to sit down and discuss. There we have some people that would love to just discuss with you about Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're saying, I, I mean, I want to rededicate my life, there's a place that says, I, I've rededicated my life today. Just mark that. But if you're here today and you said, Lord, I believe there's a place that you can mark this on here because I'd love to follow up with you. Listen, don't be a secret admirer of Christ. Be a bold follower of Jesus. Do that today. As these guys lead us and as we get ready to depart from this place in a few minutes, I want you to remember these words as you leave. Just as those early disciples were bold, may we be bold in our faith and not be afraid. But may we be courageous because you know what's at stake? The next generation that follows us.